This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello and welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL on YouTube and follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus previews a colossal contest between the 49ers and Eagles. And then at 11 o'clock Eastern time, Matthew Friedman from Fantasy Life helps us navigate key props for week 13. But first, one more week of this, just one more week. And then we can stop this crap about the most deserving versus best four debate in college football. Because, guys, I'm starting to think college football pundits do not know what they're talking about. If I may vent, if we may be media critics for just one moment here, it is Mm -hmm. incredible to me that we are still having these arguments that have lasted throughout the entire playoff, and I still don't think all of us quite understand what they are. And now, Joe, we're adding betting elements and conversations into all of this, and it's making even less sense by the people who have had this job for a long time now. Who are you talking about exactly? Because I watched I watched the ranking show as well. So, are you talking about Herbie or are you talking about McElroy? Which side of this? How, how about all of them? How about everybody? Okay. A, a universal. But but you're right though. I mean, like they're they're making one argument, but then you know they're going to turn around and say something else completely different. Right, right. Um, uh, it's easy right now. This is not that hard. You know, like we can have our own opinions. Our numbers can tell us one thing, that if we remove the record, this team's better than that team. This is what the point spread should be, blah, 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 whatever. There are four undefeated teams from Power Five conferences. Those are the four teams that are going to be at the top. That's just what it is right now. Um, Now, those conversations about which one lost team, that's different. But if you have a zero on the right side, if there's a zero there, you haven't lost, you're a power five team, you're going to be in the playoff. I mean, it's really not all that complicated. My big takeaway from last night was, well, Pac-12, their last year, they're getting a team in. Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Oregon, you're all playing this weekend. You win, you're in. It's really, it's really simple. Like There are a lot of what-ifs that we can go over. And, and I still find it fun, so I don't really – I don't hate the, the show. And I think I'm going to miss it next year because it's not going to be – at 12 teams, there's no suspense. Like, there's really going to be suspense over 12 versus 13 like there is right now. I don't – I'm not buying into that. But, uh, Aaron, it really seems simple. Just, hey, most – these teams, if you win, you're in. It's up to you. The only one where that's not the case, sadly, which we can talk about in a moment, is uh, is Ohio State um, that – you know, they have a tough road game. They lose a close, tough road game, and they're done. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Yeah, if you have a one in the L column, you are not in, whether it's fair or makes sense or other teams are better than you on paper. It just is what it is, but that's also what's making this weekend so exciting, especially that Oregon-Washington matchup, because I thought Oregon could have or should have won the first time around. That was a very close game. Some say maybe that was even Dan Lanning's fault. So now, especially with Washington and Michael Penix not playing as well as he was the first half of the season, I can't wait to see how this goes down. Do you want to call the Pac-12 championship game the quarterfinals, Aaron? Because the winner of this, uh, yeah, it's it's the quarterfinals here. Because, I mean, if they split the season series, well, who's looked better between the two? It's safe to say it's Oregon, right? Like, Mm -hmm. by a mile. And we're going to be talking about that game uh, and the other conference championship games later in the program. Georgia number one, Michigan number two, Washington three, Florida State four, Oregon five, and then everyone else pretty much on the outside looking in, in large part because in the history of the college football playoff, no team outside of the top six has been able to jump into the top four in the final week. Why is this? Mm -hmm. Because it's one game. And this is going to be another one of these silly arguments, Joe, that I know I'm going to be hearing from a bunch of pundits. Well, you're getting hot at just the right time. Well, they looked really impressive in this last game. It is still one game, one data point. You cannot throw away the rest of the regular season just because of one contest. And this is probably why I find shows like these so infuriating because, okay, I get you have to, you know, fill half an hour or an hour or whatever. And, and I actually find the conversation with the playoff committee chairman interesting. I think there's some insight there and I like that part, but as far as the conversations <laughs> back and forth, like it, there, it is very simple. It is direct and straightforward. I'd rather talk about the games and, football in general instead of the politics behind all of it i think a lot of people just don't understand see i I find the interview with the chairman same thing with march madness as the most boring part that's the time where i really usually click yeah it's just there's no what am i learning and they're gonna say what they they should publicly say like there's not there's no nothing revealing ever there like i yeah, I find it extremely boring. I think they should remove it, honestly. Really? But, that, but that's oh, me. No. Yeah. But don't yeah. you have to hold them to account, though? Like, even if, say, it's the most interesting conversations, like, it's, at least you still have to put them out there so that that conversation can be had. Because, I mean, the questions sure. are always good. And, you know, that's sure. fine. But still, I, I find it more interesting and more insightful than having fake conversations that really don't mean anything at the end of the day. I mean, aren't we doing that? We're doing no. that right now. I mean, we're going to. Like, well, we're giving back with all insights. these possibilities. I mean, we we do yeah. that every week. I mean, I think it's I think it's fun. I th- I think all these what ifs <laughs> is fun. All right, Georgia loses. Ohio State just yes. fell four spots. Does Georgia mm-hmm. lose? Does Georgia fall four spots if they lose? See, like throwing you mentioned throwing out the regular season. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what the pundits on TV think. It matters what the committee thinks. And I know they're going to say the right things. And, you know, do they truly believe that? They put a premium on winning these games on Saturday. I know you said it's one game, but they put a premium on conference championships. So I I don't look at it entirely that way because they value this more, these games Saturday more than some of these regular season games. And we're going to see it in the Oregon game, right? 
because Michigan won that game in the regular season. We're doing it again, and this one means more, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, yes, the the mantle of being a conference champion is one thing. But if you're looking mm-hmm. at the overall quality of a team, that overall production, I think that's different. I mean, one right. of the things that I suppose I get you know upset by is this idea of, OK, how have you done against top 25? How have you done against, you know, top 50 or whatever? Well, by doing that, you're throwing away data, right? Like how you performed against mediocre and poor competition should also matter just as much as how as how well you performed against the big boys. The Mm -hmm. moniker of conference champion, that is one thing. But quality of team, how you performed in that game, I don't think that should sway any more than any other game throughout the regular season. And I guess that's my big point is don't succumb to recency bias just because the last time you saw them, they looked super impressive. Is Ohio State out? Yes. I think they're out. I think so, too. How do you jump two spots without playing? Mm -hmm. That's the problem. And when when they go back, when they change things in the Big Ten, I mean, God, let's stop with the divisions. Please, Mm -hmm. can we just stop? (laughs) Sign me up for a redo. I know we just saw it. But let's say you have the results of last week in the game, and maybe you guys would disagree. I would love to see them run it back, and that's what you would have if you didn't have divisions, as awful as it's set up right now. Because you have Michigan no losses, Ohio State one loss. They'd be the only one-loss team in the Big Ten. We would run it back. Okay, Ohio State, you lost last week. Here's your chance. If you win, you're in. And you, you can't really cry if uh, if you don't win this game. You would get another chance. I would love to see that. Give me Michigan, Ohio State in back-to-back weeks, 100 times out of 100, over Michigan and Iowa that we're going to get with a 23-and-a-half-point spread. I agree. I mean, that is a big spread, and who cares? It should I'm be not, the I most compelling games <laughs> like we're getting in the Pac-12, right? It's like... I can't remember a game in the Pac-12 like this exciting as what we're going to get this weekend. What? So if we took out divisions, it would be Michigan Ohio State again, like just yeah. the same game. Penn back State has weeks. two losses. I right. Penn State yeah. has two losses. Yeah. Okay. So so it would be back to back. Okay. That that I'd probably be more okay with. Um, but you know, at the same time, though. While in this one season, in this one vacuum, we would get something like that, and that would be super cool. That's great. At the same time, just because you don't have divisions doesn't mean you won't have a a dud of a championship game. Like, I'm looking at the Big 12 right right now. Texas is a 14.5-point favorite over over Oklahoma State. And one of the things we'll we'll talk about later when we preview these games is, are we sure Oklahoma State, despite the tiebreakers, really is the second-best team in the Big 12 and will give Texas the best challenge they could get prior to sweating out selection Sunday? I would argue no. I could probably name two or three teams that are better than Oklahoma State in the Big 12. So it is this weird thing where because the regular season is so short, tiebreakers are, you know, these weird animals. It's no way to eliminate the duds. There really isn't. I know a lot of people would like that, and I'd prefer it, um, but I'm not saying that it would eliminate the duds. Like, look. They told us, Florida State, you beat Louisville this weekend. 
you're in. Putting them at four, they, they slide up a spot with Ohio State uh, losing. Everybody moved up. Michigan moved up. Washington, Florida State, Oregon, they all moved up a spot. Um, so I, that, that's going to be another dud. Like if Florida State's the, you know, in the 2-3 or in the 1-4, that's going to be a dud. It is. It, it, the fascinating part is if Oregon, Washington, the winner of that game, are they going to be the 3 or the 4? And which team uh, ends up getting that advantage if it's Florida State as a four? But uh, no, they said it. You can't drop Florida State now. You know, we know the winner of Oregon Washington's going, but you can't fl- drop Florida State after putting them in if they end up winning this game. So that's the announcement that they made. That you know, even though we have the shorter Travis injury, that's uh, they're, they're going to be in if they if they go undefeated. They're undefeated Power Five team. Do you think we would see a situation where there wouldn't be an SEC team? Like if Texas beats Oklahoma State? Okay. I don't know. That would be wild. I kind of would love it as an SEC (laughs) hater from the Pac-12, but I don't see the committee. Like, I think that would be crazy. Yeah, the idea is, is there any – okay, for both of those things to happen. So Georgia goes down at least four spots. After one loss at the end of the year in the conference championship, and then Bama jumps up four spots, or, or does not jump and up then four also spots. I'm sorry, Texas three or less. Beat Bama. What would happen right. in that scenario? Yeah. Right, right, right. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I, I think. I think it, that was another takeaway last night that Bama's out. Right. Yes, a hundred percent. Bama's not getting in, even if they absolutely hammer Georgia. That loss to Texas matters. And we also forget that really close win to South Florida looked awful. Like, this is one of the reasons why Jalen Milrow is not even in the Heisman conversation. He wasn't playing. And this was a bad team that Alabama struggled against. And it was at a time where those non-conference meetings matter a good bit in terms of, like, you know, stringing things together as far as, okay, they beat this team, they beat that team, et cetera, et cetera. And Bama just doesn't have that right now. So you combine that. And I think also the Auburn, you know, close game, close win uh, also matters a great deal here to where. And Arkansas, yes, they won by some a impressive wins in... Exactly. It, it, yeah. Like Arkansas, that was a bad win. And there, there are just too many of them to where you can't yeah. ignore it. Yep. hundred percent. I mean, wait, so Bama beats Georgia. Bama still not in, you think? And Georgia's in because they're keep they're keeping an SEC team, hundred percent. Right, I would say Bama's still out and Georgia's in regardless. I think it Georgia's doesn't matter what happens in the SEC championship game. The dogs are making the playoff. Just okay. a matter of what number is uh, in front of their name. And yeah, I mean it's not even worth having a conversation about Michigan. And maybe the game's closer than people expect, mm-hmm. but whatever. That's not a conversation. But I will say though. I think who number one is matters a great deal because you are oh, probably yeah. facing, yeah, you're probably facing a team that won't frighten you very much. I mean, I think Florida State will beat Louisville, maybe not, but whoever number four is will be significantly weaker. And look, we've seen this for several years now, maybe not so much last season, but typically number four is a good bit weaker than everybody else. So whoever number one is, you have a massive advantage in the semifinal, and I can almost guarantee you won't be on upset alert. Uh, I really hope Oregon wins because I'd be very concerned if Washington wins that we're going to get two blowouts in the semis. Yeah, you're probably right.
This is BetQL yeah. Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our power rankings of our favorite NFL futures bets right now. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM with Joe Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network. Daily presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And now it's time for this week's power rankings. And we'll keep it simple. Our three favorite NFL futures bets that we like in the here and the now. Our favorite NFL futures bets in just about anything NFL related. So, Joe, how about you kick things off? All right. Uh, anything on the board is there. And we're talking about, of course, uh, current numbers and I'm going to go to our coach of the year conversation that we started uh, having yesterday a little bit. And the more and more I think about it, I really like it. And it's a name that we brought up throughout the season. Uh, this team has a seven and four record. And here are their opponents coming up. Arizona, New England, Indianapolis, Cincinnati. I, I'm expecting a four and two record out of the final six games, maybe better. So then this team finishes with the record of, what, 11 and 6 on the year. And Brian Dayball proved last year that you don't have to win the division. I know I know the New York bump was certainly part of that, but you don't have to win the division. And part of the criteria is exceeding expectations as a coach. And then for me, it's the perception that you have a bad quarterback, that you're able to overcome that uh, with your coaching, with your leadership. Mike Tomlin, 20 to 1 for coach of the year, is my favorite mm. available future bet right now. Kenny Pickett fits that. Uh, Tomlin, a respected coach three weeks ago. Uh, Brent Bar- Barnwell was, Bill Barnwell was writing about how Tomlin feels inevitable. Tomlin feels inevitable, and he couldn't believe that he's never had a vote. Not just wow. failed to win it, but he's never gotten a coach of the year vote. And their win total before the year started was seven and a half. They're going to beat that this weekend already with a lot of football left. So Mike Tomlin, 20 to 1, available at BetMGM. Best number in the market is uh, my favorite future play right now. Number two on the board, I'm going to, you know, I was looking, we went over to teams at, to make and miss the playoffs yesterday. And I do feel strongly that AFC at the, the bottom right now, that number six, we're talking about Flacco. That's, we're going to find out today, I think. But we're talking about Joe Flacco being a quarterback upgrade for the Cleveland Browns. That's how bad it is right now. And the number of issues that they have on defense with injuries and Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, got Amari Cooper that's hobbled. There's a lot going on with Cleveland, and you can't feel good about it. 
Uh, I think they're going to fall out of the playoff race. They're the sixth seed right now, and I don't know that I trust Indianapolis. What do they do that's great? Maybe they do because the, the schedule is so soft. They have won three in a row. Not sure that that continues, but there's at least one, maybe two open spots. You know, Denver is also above this team. They've won five in a row, and a lot of that is 16 turnovers. Do you really think it's going to happen? It could. It could. There's a lot of good things happening. But they have a three-game road trip coming up. That rarely goes well. I don't care what the opponent is. So I'm thinking four to one Bills to make the playoffs. They're in the 10 spot right now. There's plenty of time for them to move up. They're on by this week. So I don't know that the number is going to change. Maybe it gets a little bit better over the next week, but four to one Bills to make the playoffs. And the last one, you know, this, this is huge for the Garrett injury. But we talked a lot of yesterday about Bland and Parsons and are they, are they going to take votes away from each other? Well, the bottom line is this, is that if we look at sacks, Parsons has 11 and a half and there's somebody else not named Garrett that has two more than him. Parsons has 30 pressures. There's someone else not named Garrett that has five more pressures. Parsons has 10 knockdowns. There's somebody else that has two more knockdowns. And I'm giving you the resume of TJ Watt. It's a lot of Steelers love, but I think it's going to be a pretty strong finish for them down the stretch. TJ Watt right now is plus 250. And if you line up all these categories, he's better than Parsons. And by the end of the year, this will be viewed as a top five defense. So TJ Watt, my last future bet, plus 250. A lot of this hinges on Garrett, obviously. So Tomlin, coach of the year, bills to make the playoffs. TJ Watt wins it again. Defensive player of the year, plus 250. Got a question for you uh, mm-hmm. before, Aaron, we get to your uh, rankings here. So you have two Steelers bets here with Mike yeah. Tomlin and TJ Watt. I, and I know that like votes and awards and things like that are, are decided differently and, and all of that stuff. But are you concerned at all that one team that, you know, even if the Steelers do make the playoffs, like we're not looking at them like we are the Eagles or the Chiefs or the top tier teams. But I am curious, right. though, like, can one team get too many awards? Is it something where maybe not voters are doing this consciously, but the NFL, say, writ large, wants to diversify where all of these, these awards go, and they're not just going to bring it to one team that maybe surprised everybody? See, but I, how do you plan that? Mm-hmm. The, the, these voters are, are going for different awards. There is, you're not a voter and then you vote for everything. You're a voter and like, oh, I've got MVP this year. Or I've got rookie mm-hmm. of the year and defensive player of the year. So I don't, I don't know how you figure that out. But it, it's certainly a fair question. And maybe last year, you know, not winning the division, there's an example. You look at the Giants where they shouldn't get more than one award, but not sure how you plan that out. And now you see the point system that's involved. You know, for a long with some of these awards. So for a long time, we didn't have that. Um, so they brought it was just one first place vote. That's it for so for so long, and they've ch- certainly changed that up. So I wonder if the results are going to change in that, where you have a winner that doesn't get the most first place votes just because they're consistently two or three. We could get some outrage there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely, it'd be fun, Aaron. 
All right. So I did mine in order of least value to most value. Don't uh, necessarily have a favorite out of these at all. So I'm going to start with the one with the least amount of value. And it's something I thought about yesterday, but it was like too little too late in the conversation. But when we were doing this exercise, I thought, you know what? This is one of my favorite bets. I'm talking about MVP, and this guy is not the favorite, but perhaps he should be because Patrick Mahomes doesn't have Tyreek Hill or CeeDee Lamb or A.J. Brown. He's got a bunch of bums that keep dropping his passes. Now, of course, he does have Travis Kelsey, <laughs> but you also look like he's still in the top 10 in the stats category almost in the top five, not quite the numbers we're used to seeing Mahomes having, but you also take a look at the Chiefs' schedule, and they've got, obviously, Green Bay, Buffalo, New England, the Raiders, the Bengals, and the Chargers. I would not be shocked. They probably won't, but it's possible. They could run the table, and I think they're going to have the record. Obviously, Mahomes has the pedigree, so I think at plus 450, it's better value. The Chiefs are the favorite uh, to win the Super Bowl. It's like plus 430, so a little bit better value, but I think I would rather bet Mahomes MVP for the regular season than Chiefs Super Bowl. So that is my number one. Number two, this one I went on a deep dive on. I was trying to find something with some value that I really liked, and I landed on this. So Stefan Diggs is nine to one for most receiving touchdowns. Meanwhile, Josh Allen is the favorite for most passing touchdowns. Diggs is two touchdowns behind the leader Tyreek Hill right now. Just two touchdowns, right? And especially if your quarterback is expected to have the most passing touchdowns. Obviously, not all the passes are going to Stefan Diggs, but it's lining up. So the Bills face, you know, the Chiefs, who have the fourth best team against the pass, Cowboys, second best team against the pass, Chargers, who are obviously worst. Um, the Patriots are sort of middle of the row at 16th. Uh, Diggs, you know, he did have one touchdown against New England earlier this season. Dolphins, 11th best secondary. Um, when the Bills played the Dolphins uh, back in October, Diggs had three touchdowns. So I'm looking at this. I also took a look at, you know, Tyreek and the teams that the Dolphins face, and he's going to face some tougher secondaries. So I think there's a lot of value right now on Stephon Diggs to be the receiving touchdown leader at 9-1. to one. Finally, this one has a lot more value at 13-1, to one, and I was kind of surprised if you look at the pass so this one is texans to win the afc south at 13 to 1 you pull up the jags and the texans schedule so the texans play denver and obviously you know they're playing a lot better now this isn't the denver team we saw in the first half of the season but maybe they are due for a little regression they've got the jets the titans the browns the titans again and the colts so i think that there's a path here for Houston to win the division. And I thought at 13 to one, that's some pretty good value. So Mahomes MVP plus 450, Diggs receiving touchdown leader at nine to one, and Houston to win the division at 13 to one. 
it does seem like with the digs play, which I think makes a ton of sense that if Buffalo is going to make a run and make the playoffs and look, I think we're all in agreement that Buffalo can very well do this. Like they don't need to run the table to make the playoffs, but if they're going to do it, then offensively they have to go nuts. Right. And it's not just Josh Allen playing as well as he has, but they have to score a bunch of points and who's the receiver we trust more than any other on that offense, it would be Stefan Diggs. And so in that respect, I do like that play. And maybe there's a little bit more value there because the only path for Buffalo at this point, we hate that defense, right? It's just too injured. Like, I don't know how it gets any better between now and the end of the regular season, but we do know this offense can go nuts. And wouldn't that be because of Stefan Diggs scoring a bunch of touchdowns? Yeah, that's a great point that I also meant to bring up. Like, if they are going to make it to the playoffs, they have to have their offense clicking. You know, and that's kind of why I looked at it. I know some of you guys have other Bills futures, so I was kind of trying to find something different. And, you know, it's it's a longer shot. That's why it's 13-1 to but uh, or 9-1. to But I do think there's a path considering he's only two touchdowns behind Tyreek. I was surprised by that. There's a lot of variance in that market as far as just figuring out like who's going to have the most and oh, like, yeah. somebody can go off, have it's a four a touchdown market. game. And Oh yeah. 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 That one's fun. <laughs> Everybody is still in it. So yeah, that one I like a whole lot. All right. As far as my uh, favorite bets, uh, let me start with uh, some Cowboys Homerism here because while Micah Parsons is being bandied about as your defensive player of the year, how about I call him the sacks leader? at nine to one he is a couple of off the pace that's fine he plays for a defense with several sack artists but the thing about Parsons is it's not just the pressures that impress me it's the quick pressures those that happen in less than two and a half seconds from the snap he's also had his bye week already and it matters which quarterbacks you're going up against in this market because look sacks are a quarterback stat They have less to do with the defense and more with the quarterback hanging on to the ball too darn long. And guess what? There's still another meeting with Sam Howell and two gunslingers who may try to run too often in Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. So I think that can help Parsons in this argument. Also possible in the final couple of games that defensive coordinator Dan Quinn will scheme more chances for Parsons so that he can be the sack leader, so that he can win defensive player of the year. If any defensive coordinator in football right now can specifically scheme up one defender to go nuts, I think it can be Dan Quinn. Move Parsons around in different spots. Make the offense think a little bit more. And I think he can finish as the sacks leader. 91, I think there's great value. Next, A.J. Brown to finish as the receiving yards leader at 10 to 1. Despite having the best record in football, they may not be able to take any games off. They will also have a lot of close contests where they will need to keep passing. And look, without A.J. Brown, the Eagles wouldn't have much of a passing game. Dallas Goddard may return Sunday, which means they can get back to their usual personnel. They won't have to do this 10 personnel garbage. And look, A.J. Brown, second in the NFL in team air yard share right now. He can get up to first, meaning he'll have more receiving yards. So I like that play there. Finally, the Jaguars earning the one seed in the AFC at five to one. I know the schedule is the obvious place to start here, but we're also seeing elite offensive play, something that we were concerned about during the preseason. From next-gen stats, right tackle Anton Harrison did not allow a pressure on any of his 19 matchups against Will Anderson in that Texans game. 
And it's helping Lawrence to one of his higher play action rates of the season at greater than 30%. So if Trevor Lawrence has enough time in the pocket to develop play action, then suddenly he can throw those deep balls to Calvin Ridley and company. And now this Jaguars offense becomes mighty scary and it needs to be to get that top seed. So Jacksonville one seed, A.J. Brown receiving yards leader, Parsons sack leader. Yeah, the sack leader is that's a much better bet than defensive player of the year. It gets I think that's a good example of listen, it kind of reminds me of the conversation that you can have around the Super Bowl. Just bet the quarterback on the winning team for MVP mm-hmm. because that gets you a better number than going, you know, money line or, or spread or whatever. Uh but yeah, plus nine hundred versus, you know, around two to one or even less than that. It's it's a huge difference. And you're fighting the same statistical arguments you are regardless. Much. So might as well get a bigger payout. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we're going off the board right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM with Joe Ostrowski, Ed Egros, and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network. to go off the board i wasn't sure if we would get to this story and headlines big story yesterday that mark cuban has agreed um to sell his stake in the mavericks however he's still gonna control the team and the basketball operations which i think is awesome i think he made like 12 times um off his initial investment in the team Pretty cool owner. I know, Ed, we we both know Mark Cuban. We worked in the mm-hmm. Dallas market. He was always great to me. Happy to see that he's still going to be involved. When I first saw the headline, I was like, oh, no. Uh, where is the <laughs> this team going to be headed? I mean, that the, the Mavericks are like Mark Cuban's baby, you know? So I'm happy right. he's still going to be around. I also thought from a betting perspective, it's pretty cool that his vision is to have an arena that's inside a casino. Now, of course, Texas still has it illegal. You can't do the gambling thing there yet, but perhaps with the sale to the Adelson family and their connection um, in the gambling world, maybe this will be a possibility one day. That is the hedge, isn't it? That is the bet that at some point Texas will legalize gambling and he wants to be on top of it so that by the time lawmakers say, yes, Texas, go ahead, then Mark Cuban is ready to go with the casino and sports betting and all of that stuff. I guess my question is, yeah, this is a risk because you're selling your majority stake. Is Texas going to legalize gambling, sports betting, all of those things in time? Like, will the timelines work out? Now, you would you would imagine Mark Cuban would be as plugged in as anybody in terms of Texas state politics to know how long it yeah. should take. But I do wonder if the politics, you know, doesn't necessarily fit that timeline. Because 
I, I know the lieutenant governor of Texas came out and said, look, we're not even putting this bill on the floor right now. We're not even talking about it because we know it's not going to pass. So there's no real conversation to be had. And I know folks in Texas have talked to me about, okay, you know, in your estimation, how long is this going to take? And my answer has always been, look, Louisiana has been on this for a long time now. And your two major cities are real close to that state border. And Oklahoma has been on top of this for a really long time. And so you have two neighboring states who aren't weak in, say, their own state politics. And so it does have that feel where there's enough of a grassroots movement in Texas to where I don't know if this timeline quite works. Like, I don't know if this investment's going to pay off for cubes. Yeah, I, I would think that he knows something. That he's connected mm-hmm. enough. Uh, but there are so many rich people down there. Like, how much power does Mark Cuban have over others? Yeah, that's right. You yeah. know, it's like it, people always want, and I used to do a ton of interviews on this before Illinois went legal and was, was always following it and talking about it and covered it down in Springfield. But yeah, people always want a timeline. Dude, you live here. You live in your state. Mm-hmm. You have a better idea. You know how the game is run with it's, with politics. Like here in Illinois, gaming has traditionally been very slow. But, you know, when you look at sports betting, kind of on the forefront, one of the leaders. They're mm-hmm. always up there as far as uh, the, the, the revenue. They're always up there as far as just how the sports books are doing, the amount of money going in. Like immediately they became competitive with New Jersey and Nevada. So it, it's pretty remarkable. But um I think I think Cuban knows a lot more than he's allowed to say, you know, but when it comes down to it, how do those votes get down? There might be certain things being said right now, but how do they go down when it comes time? And hey, a few more dollars come from another guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's how the game is mm-hmm. played. But I, just common sense wise, I would think it's going to happen. Yeah, maybe it's going to be too. one of the last states to go through, but just like everybody else Florida, is doing it. California. it is, Tex- is Texas a broke state too? Yeah, I mean, it, they, you know, as far as state taxes go, like it, it does have that yeah. feel like because they, you know, aren't generating as much as say, you know, your blue states. I, I suppose so. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily have the numbers in front of me, but it. I mean, it California is, is too, though. but they don't have it yet, so. I mean, right. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But, there, you know, it's a different animal as far as why California is, is sort of lagging. But what's fascinating to me, guys, is, OK, yes, Cuban probably does know something. And mm-hmm. it does feel like an inevitability, especially when it comes to sports betting, that all 50 states will be on board. But mm-hmm. how long does it take? Like, it is possible that Cuban doesn't look at this as a gamble, so to speak, for himself. You know, he's making money already. Like, maybe he's not going to make as much. But in terms of, you know, sports team valuations, like, you know, he's good. Like, he's, he's made his, and he can make more doing other things. And so that's fine. But how long do these timelines take? Like, is it going to be five years, 10 years, maybe much longer than that? Like, what do you think is realistic for those slower states, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it five, does go quickly. Five, five seems like an eternity compared to, like... it is. Need to have already sure. approved it, right? Imagine five mm-hmm. years from now. That's a long time. I wouldn't think it would be a year or two. I would say three to five range. I'm sure Cuban has a range, a realistic range from his connections that he's, you know, targeting that's like, okay, right. by X year, this should be a done deal here. Yeah. 
Yeah. All states, but maybe Utah. Like that would be the last one, maybe. And there's a couple that, that might hold out until the very end. Cubit, he's mm-hmm. been in the news a lot lately. So I haven't watched it in a long time, but I saw he's leaving Shark Shark Tank. I, I was a little surprised to see, I think it's twenty million he's invested on that show, that he's taken mm-hmm. a, a net loss on on all those investments. So it's, it's only twenty million dollars though. Yeah, yeah, an entertainment so. <laughs> show, like he gets his name out there and then the the branding that I suppose he has being on the program is, has to be worth something, plus just your basic fees for being there. Like, yeah, he may be losing in those investments, but does he outgain them just by his mere presence? Like, I I mean, m- maybe I'm, I'm saying just, it's for him. I just, thought, yeah. I just thought a lot of them would do better just having his right, backing. Right. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I want to pivot to something else. Is cancel culture real? Because there's a situation with one Bobby. What is happening? (laughs) (laughs) What is going on here? Yeah, I am talking about Deadspin. Because you take a look at what Petrino did in dragging the university through a bunch Uh, of controversy about a decade ago. And now it's like the guy has nine lives. They're bringing him back. So you can just do something like what he did. And I don't know if we need to rehash all of that, but uh, it's just, why not? It's weird. Yeah, let's do it. It was fun. When when he got the mistress. For those who are not informed, why don't you let him know, Joe? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so what? I'm forgetting some detail. It's It's been over a decade now. There is that. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this not while. proof that that time heals all wounds? I subscribe to that theory, but I mean, this one is like, yeah, yeah, just a little bit of time. It doesn't even matter what you did. Yeah, so he hired a mistress. He didn't disclose the the relationship. Uh, hires her, and then we all remember the picture of him with the, <laughs> the press conference the with this brace, the messed up. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so good. Yeah, he broke ribs. Yeah. So what he. What remind me? Ed, he got in a motorcycle accident with her on motorcycle the back, and he, he broke a bunch of ribs. And yeah, he had a neck brace. Like he's on Judge Judy. Like what? What's going on? <laughs> a lot of my friends I... uh, when I was living in the South at the time, uh, they were wearing Halloween costumes. The man would have the yep. neck brace on, the sugar bowl hat, yep. and then the lady would have a blonde wig on and an Arkansas sweatshirt, like. That was the greatest Halloween couples costume of all time. You can't beat that. Like, I, you know, it is a very serious incident because, I mean, look, it was a motorcycle accident and she was a passenger. And so, you know, scary things can happen there. And then, of course, there's a relationship that's not being disclosed. And, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. But, like, it was just such an insane <laughs> thing to hear about. There was no other way to respond except with just poking fun at this. Uh, you know, on a variety of fronts. And yes, I love those Halloween well, costumes. And somehow we are still more than a decade later talking about Bobby Petrino coaching college football. Exactly. That's what I don't understand. In 2023, like the bottom line is, have we made any progress as a society? I just don't understand how he gets a pass here. So- Some of us have not. I think some of us have not. Like, do I blame Arkansas or do I blame Western Kentucky, Louisville, Missouri State, exactly. Texas A&M? Exactly. He's had 
four jobs as a head coach or an offensive coordinator since this incident. And now it's going to be a fifth back with the Razorbacks. Like, this isn't just an Arkansas problem. This is a college football problem where if you have an adequate resume, you are still going to be seen as a hot commodity. And that's insane to me. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Like, so what are the rules? You just can't go back to the place where the incident occurred. Is that what we're saying by by outrage over Bobby Petrino or fake outrage, whatever it is? Like, he's had so many jobs. He's been in the game. He's been around students. He's so once that happened, and you know, you mentioned how he's moved around, moved around, and Power Five schools too. It so at this point, whatever. I mean, I just – sorry, I just look at him like that's just SEC being the SEC. If you could score points, mm-hmm. if you could win football games, it doesn't matter what you've done. I mean, these are just – that's just how it is, man. It's football in the South, right? hmm Yep. Yeah. Do we I also guess, feel sorry you know, for her In some her areas we've well. improved. In... Right. The mistress? Like, do we also – yeah. In, in some ways, like we're going to be making fun of her <laughs> well, again no. when she was – well, I mean, I she was young oh, at the time. Okay. Like, I'm just saying, it just sucks that for are, her, it's like, oh, this is behind me. No, it's not. Ten years later, this is like back out right. again. Don't mess around but, with married men, and you won't have to be embarrassed again. That's fair. Does anybody fair. remember her? What's her name? I don't even remember her name. Jessica Durrell, I think. Oh, yeah, I just looked it up. <laughs> there you go. I didn't remember now her it's name. Back out there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, sorry, I Jessica. My My bad. It'll, it'll be out. But in her small circle, yeah, it's probably a, a huge deal. But most people, she walks, she's on TV. We wouldn't know it was her. I, I guess my thing, though, is, like, who who deserves bigger blame? Who should we be insulting more? It's Petrino. Oh, I think it's yeah. disproportionate. That's kind of the point. This is Becky Well Daily, presented by BetMGM. The latest line movements for this weekend's NFL slate. That's coming right up. <laughs> 